Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from listeners like you. Learn how you can support the show and get exclusive access to podcast episodes not released to the public by visiting patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner. I thought how ironic for a California girl to go to Puerto Rico to experience an earthquake. To experience. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, life has its ways, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. I thought, well, this feels familiar. I know what this is. <laughs> Coming to terms with all you've forgotten and lost in memory. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 570. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm joined by the incomparable Nikki Grimes whose memoir in verse, Ordinary Hazards, has not only garnered six starred reviews on top of being named a Michael L. Prince honor book and a Robert F. Seibert informational honor book, but it is also without question one of the most beautiful, heartbreaking, and heart-mending audiobooks I have ever heard. For those familiar with Grimes' body of work, you will find through lines throughout pointing back to childhood trauma, family separation, and yearning to be cared for, but also a fierce resilience earned by assurance of the strength found within. For those new to Grimes' work, it is a powerful reminder of the influence of adults in a child's life and our ability to protect and nurture or to inflict harm. It had me thinking about my family as well as my students throughout. Nikki also shares her latest picture book, Bedtime for Sweet Creatures, and the great fun she's having writing stories. Please welcome my guest, Nikki Grimes, author of Ordinary Hazards and Bedtime for Sweet Creatures. Well, my name is Nikki Grimes. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers. Uh, I'm an author of books for children and young adults. And one of my most recent titles is Ordinary Hazards, a memoir. Nikki Grams, I believe I have said this to you in the past and um, <laughs> off record and on, but you are one of my most favorite authors. And I'm so grateful to be able to be one of your readers and to be able to share what you write 
with my students. I really admire you for the gift of words that you have and also for <laughs> the gift of words you have not only on paper, but, but in person. You're always such uh, a wonderful person to spend time with. And um, yeah, I, I feel like I... You can keep going. <laughs> well, <laughs> the thing is, I don't know that you've met Amy before, but Amy, my wife certainly knows you because of how much I talk about you. But I was saying to her leading into this conversation, I don't quite know how I'll talk to Nikki tonight because <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know your history. I realized I only knew your present, that I didn't know where you come from. And, mm. and where you come from is a powerful place. And I think that, um, that through this wonderful book you've shared with us, through Ordinary Hazards, your memoir... I think that that those that know your work can can follow those through lines to the advocate you are for our readers and for our young people. Yes. Um, but I can also see and bear witness to to those words you shared of how hard it was to write this, um, mm -hmm. because you don't shy away from vulnerability in this book. Well, there's there's not much point. I mean, if I'm going to gloss over anything, I'm not servicing the, the reader at all and not being true to myself either. So That's true. Yeah. I think about... But, go ahead, no. No, but strangely enough, the things that were most difficult about writing this book um, aren't what most people think, because a lot of the difficult and really painful episodes um, I've worked through and processed and received healing for, um, you know, over the years. What I found excruciating in writing this book was coming to terms with lost memories. Yes. And I discovered that I had to grieve that loss. Um, in the process of writing this book. Uh, and that was, that was really tough. You share that in the book, that, that coming to terms with those things that you can't remember. Uh, I like the way that you describe memoir as sharing your truth of how you remember and experienced life and, and, and certain circumstances in situations, but, but someone else living them much like other people's experiences might not be told the same way, might not be captured, written down in the same way. But I can feel that pain of trying to remember the things that time has slipped and, mm -hmm. and leaves unretrievable. Yeah. And I discovered, and isn't, of course, trauma exacerbates that. But what I discovered in talking to readers since the book's been out is everyone has some blank spaces, maybe not to the extent that I do, but there are things that you simply don't, you know, recall from childhood. Of course, un until you sit down to write a memoir, you never really have to grapple with it. It's just sort of there and you know it's there. But the minute 
you're, you're dealing with story and you have to have beginning, middle, and end and you have to have connections. That's where the rub is. Did you plot this book as a beginning, middle, and end or did it take shape as you were trying to write your way through your life? I wonder how that process well, I had to have of this a framework came of where yeah. I was going to start and, and stop and I knew that I wanted to focus on that 16th year which was so pivotal in my life um, and originally I thought I would just write about that year and of course once I started to do it I thought well it makes no sense unless I write about what led up to it so then I went all the way back to the beginning um, and, and wrote you know from there um, but not necessarily in sequence. I, I tend not to write in sequence anyway. Mm. I approach most projects like a jigsaw puzzle. I focus on the pieces, and then when I begin to have a, enough pieces, uh, I'll, I'll stop and then see how those fit together, and then I'll write more pieces and then figure out where they fit. And so I wrote it very much in that sort of vein which is my process yeah. in general anyway. So uh, it takes a lot of pressure off of trying to get the sequences right uh, as, I, as I go along. I didn't worry, worry about that. I had, to, I had to work on that later, but I don't allow that to stop me from moving forward because that's where you start having writer's block when you're, you know, bump up against those things so I just don't I just keep moving forward and eventually the pieces start to to fit together there were I should say that I started reading your book in print and then I listened to you read it on audiobook and that was something to hear a poet read her words and and really to hear you tell your story was something that that was really special. Um, I found, perhaps because I've met you, perhaps because I feel in some very small way that I know you, I found that there were parts that I had to take a break from because I was I was taking on some of the emotion. Mm-hmm. I was really internalizing that. And I had to realize that there were things that were connecting with me or emotions that were resonating with me that... Uh, that were real and that uh, were things that I had to reconcile with as I went through this book. And it made me think quite clearly of, of some readers going through this and, and, and how emotions can be mirrors for us as well in books. Absolutely. I, um, to speak, to speak in broad strokes about the arc of the story about you um, coming to terms with your mom's alcoholism as well as um, her mental health. Her schizophrenia. Her schizophrenia. Yeah. Your father and the distance that was keeping you from being connected to him and mm-hmm. ultimately the great, great gifts that he gave you in showing you black artists and authors 
and performers and and that belief in your future that investment that he saw in you and that he knew you could see realized i feel like you 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 bring us to a place of hope as i think we probably always strive to do in children's literature absolutely but but in this case and through your life that lens of your life i feel like you you bring us to a place of showing the light at the top of the stairway that we can we can step up toward that we can strive toward it was beautiful thank you thank you well for me that's that's the whole point of writing that's the whole point of story is to do that it's to shed light whatever light we have to bring that to bear to the stories we tell and what's really magical about a book is when a reader comes to a story that is so far removed from him or herself, and yet they find connections. Um, and they find things that not only that resonate, but that take them back to their own story. I think a good story always does that, should always do that. To that take it should remind you of your own story call up your own memories. Um, yeah, I think that's really powerful. How, how does one do that as an author? I, I know that phrase of the universal living in the specific. Is it a trust over time that the, the more you magnify something, the more others will see themselves in it? Well, it, it's it's absolutely a trust because it isn't anything that you can. Uh, you can intend to do that, of course, but there's really no. There's no magic. There's no alchemy that causes that to happen, but you have to trust that. If you are authentic and you are honest and you are vulnerable on the page, then one of the dividends that that will pay is that the reader will connect, will find connection, will find resonance, will have a mirror um, turned on to his or her own life in the process. And I've found that that's just always true. And I'm often surprised at the connections people make and how far different their experiences are from mine, and yet they find this um, connection, you know, at the bone. I was talking to um, a woman who grew up in... Uh, in China and who had been impacted by the Cultural Revolution. And she, this book brought her to tears because it took her back to her own story, Um, some aspects of her own story in ways that I will never understand. But it was, it was a very powerful experience for her. That's the universal in the particular. I found that 
for me, the connection of finding your voice and where that voice can be asserted and how it may take the right person or people in your life to help you find that voice, a teacher, a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the pages I dog-eared, which is a funny thing to do, listening to an audiobook and then pausing <laughs> to find it in the print. One of the pages I dog-eared that I'm thinking of right now is a poem called Sign Language. Do you mind if I read it to you? No. It goes, A head shake is all you need. Up and down for yes. Side to side for no. Three days in, and these people still hadn't heard my voice. (laughs) Yeah. I think about where you were in your life when that poem takes place, but also where everyone is in their life that experiences whatever level of trauma of being removed from your home or separated from your family or going through whatever unspeakable things that I do not need to name right now. Um, or just even in a place where you're not seen. That's, that's you're not what heard. I mean. That's what I mean. That, yeah. that experience of losing your voice and not knowing mm-hmm. where it is or, or when you will share it or if. Um, because some people in some circumstances need to earn our trust to hear our voice. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. So I know many of you have been listening for some time and you know that I am obsessed with audiobooks. And the reason why that is is because one, I can listen to them wherever I go, and two, because frankly, I'm a terribly slow reader, and three, the only time in the day that I've really been able to carve out time to read is after a long day of teaching, after we've prepared dinner for the kids, and we've bathed them, and we've sent them to bed at the very end of the night. That's when I can read, and it is hard to read and get through a novel at that pace. So... Thankfully, we have audiobooks. You know, now you've got lots of options when it comes to buying audiobooks, but what if you could support local bookstores at no extra cost to you? Did you know Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore? You can pick from more than 125,000 audiobooks, including those New York Times bestsellers, recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, I get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, but I'm part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter WINNER. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. that poem that's that's where I started listening real hard um that's where I think it got hard for me to listen um and that's not something I'm gonna <laughs> share here um 
but it's something that I just, um, I want you to hear that I, this book made me, uh, love you and your work in a deeper way. Um, because of, because of the way it resonated. I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Thank you. I think about these readers, Nikki, that some that will never meet you, some that have met you and won't find the words, um, but that get this opportunity to see you. Mm. I think about the honors that you've been given in the way that others affirm your work. And I wonder why, what brought you to write this memoir? Why now? Why at all for you? Well, I've always believed that my story is the most important story I have to tell. And uh, so there was always the plan to tell it. Um, it took me 39 years to finally finish it. <laughs> but it was always on the agenda, something that I, I felt, if I don't write anything else, I have to write this. This was that book for me. Wow. Do you feel yeah. with it out in the world? I'm sure there's these different moments of turning a draft into your editor, of seeing proof, seeing the arc, of having it now be a printed book and signed. Do you feel like you've accomplished that of getting your story out into the world? Or do you feel that there's more of, of that story that still wants to be told? Well, I don't know that I'll tell it. I, I initially thought I would write, um, a series of memoir, uh, memoirs, but having gone through the agony of writing this one, <laughs> I'm thinking maybe not. <laughs> maybe this will just be it. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you worked with an editor at Wordsong at Highlights on this. How, how was that to work with someone? I mean, I'm just asking out of curiosity, but to have someone work with your story, your life. I love the note where well, you, you have said, to understand that I chose her for this book. Had you worked with um, her before? Yeah. I, well, we've been working together well, for more than 20 years. I've mm. followed her from one publishing house to another for as long as I've known her. Um, so we have a very, very special relationship and a deep, deep trust, which was absolutely um, necessary for a work of this magnitude and the work that was going to require me to dig so deep into myself. Um, I needed to know I was in the hands of someone who cared for me deeply, but who would also... Um, not let the book go until it was everything it needed to be. She was that person for me. And so I, I took it to her because I wanted to work with her on it. And I'm so glad I did because it was so incredibly difficult. And um, it took her places she had never gone before. Mm. Um, and, you know, wrestling with time and memory and, and um, 
just experiences that were so foreign to her own in terms of what it would take to get this story out. Um, and she, you know, hung with me through through the whole process. So, um, yeah, it was an extraordinary experience for both of us to work on it together. And I just simply could not imagine doing this work with anyone else. I love that you write in your author's note, during the process of writing this book, I often became frustrated when I was unable to answer some of my editor's most basic questions about the past. So fragmented is my memory. No single person in my narrative, alive or dead, shared my entire journey. I could not even go to my sister to fill in lost memories as we were separated when I was little, more than five years old. I don't remember is still an answer, my editor told me. When you don't have a definitive answer to a question, simply say so and explain the reasons why to the reader, she suggested. This advice was enormously freeing, and I followed it throughout as needed. Yes. I think that that, that direction, nope. also for our readers trying to tell their stories, that acknowledgement that you don't need to piece it together, you don't need to know every moment for it to be valid, it is already valid, Exactly. Uh, and piecing it together, I feel like well, I, so many things that, that, that stuck. But one of the things was that we might not remember the details of the things, but we so often remember the emotion of what we went through. Yeah. That emotion sticks. And to write from that emotion, um, I think, connects. Yes. And I'm always looking to make an emotional connection with the reader more than anything else. Um, probably because in as a reader myself, I've always had this wonderful experience whenever I come to a passage that um, shows me who I am or reminds me of something important that I've forgotten or um, that encourages me in some particular way. And I realize... I'm not all alone in the world in this experience. How powerful that is. Um, how much joy comes from that. How much peace comes from that. How much reassurance comes from that. So to be able to have that kind of connection with my readers is everything. Yes. And the why of telling this story now is that it is a story of darkness and light. And we're dealing with a lot of darkness in the world right now. And I, I think it's so important for stories like this to be out in the world where the reader can see there is, in fact, light at the end of the tunnel, even the darkest place yeah. that you might be in, that there is life and light on the other side. And you can take that message from me when you see where I've been. I, <laughs> oh my word, oh my word, I love you, Nikki Grimes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to put this poem called Library Card up in my library, and I want to pass it out to all of my library friends. Library card, you write a magic pass I used to climb into other people's skin any old time I needed. 
I am so grateful to think of those children that are picking up your books, all of your books, and seeing themselves. One of the um, <laughs> recent inver- uh, conversations that I had that I actually know you know about is that I interviewed Elizabeth Zunon of uh, Bedtime for Sweet Creatures, that you are yes. of a picture book. I know that this is how I know you, that you write for all readers, no matter where they are. They can find you. They can grow with you. And I had such a lovely time talking about your words. I think we both had a very lovely time talking about your words for <laughs> Bedtime for Sweet Creatures. But for those, Nikki, that haven't uh, listened to that interview or heard um, or read Bedtime for Sweet Creatures, do you mind uh, introducing this book to folks? Well, Bedtime for Sweet Creatures um, is, is the first of a series of books, actually, that I had in mind. I wanted to write uh, some books for young readers about ordinary, everyday, universal themes featuring characters of color. And I'm particularly interested in moments of joy. Joy is my word for the year, by Mm. the way. (laughs) And the experience of writing this book was just joyful. And the art is joyful. And I, I leave the story smiling. And the reader who comes to it, no matter who they are, will see themselves. No, no, no! You beat the word like a drum the minute I say, come sweet creature, it's bedtime. Your eyes swell wide as owls. Let's go, I say. Who, who, you ask, as if you didn't know. Bear is going, I say. He'll be awfully lonely without you. Suddenly, you come running. You coil beneath the quilt, silent as a snake. Why are you hiding, I ask. Monsters, you hiss. All gone, I trumpet. You're safe. This is so fun. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) And and to have Elizabeth Zunon's art be this like graphic representation of these different things that mom is calling these trumpets and the bear and the different animals is just so beautiful to look at. It's magical. It's absolutely magical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have, um, she's working now on the second one, which is Off to See the Sea, a bath time book. Mm. <laughs> it's even more magical. <laughs> oh my word. I cannot wait for that. That's, you know, this is this is a cool thing for you to be illustrated by so many different, amazingly talented folks. But I, I marvel at the magic of publishing and the way they find the just right illustrator to match those words, giving each book its own voice. That's yeah. wonderful. Well, I, I love her and I use her as often as I can. So. <laughs> She's on. She's on board for all four books. She oh. never had a chance to say no. 
<laughs> I love that. Oh, my word. Well, they're gorgeous books. I know that you know it. I hope that she knows it. Her readers definitely know it. They are beautiful. She's, you know, she's got this style of of pushing the boundary of what she does with each work that she does. You can always tell that it's her, but each book has its own voice. And I, I love the way that she made a special mark on on bedtime for sweet creatures and knowing that <laughs> it'll be a mark that continues through three more is a delight. Oh boy. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nikki Grimes for writing for all the readers and for bearing your heart and your joy and your love and your soul for all of us. Uh, you really see readers in ways that I don't think many people see readers I really value that about you. I value that a whole lot. Thank you. <laughs> so, Nikki, I'm going to end this way. I know that there are so many things already that you've shared, but I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message I can bring to them from you? Tell them to read and keep reading because stories will take them places they can't begin to imagine, and they'll always be happy they went on the journey. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 550 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.